Hello and welcome to Skin Theory, a podcast that gives you the tools and resources to achieve glowing skin from within. I'm your skin's BFF and holistic nutritionist, Carolyn. This is a safe space where we face acne with a holistic, comprehensive, and personalized approach. I am so grateful that you chose Skin Theory to immerse with me in all things skin, wellness, and personal growth. If you are ready to leave the acne story behind, then let's clear from within. This is the Skin Theory Podcast. Welcome back to the Skin Theory Podcast. I'm so excited to welcome a very special guest with us today. Bonnie Wisner is a registered holistic nutritionist and founder of Shift Nutrition and Wellness. Bonnie is very well known for digestive, for being a digestive health expert and has helped hundreds of people all over the world get to the bottom of their chronic digestive issues so that they can live their lives without the discomfort, embarrassment, and inconvenience of persistent symptoms like chronic constipation, gas, bloating, and heartburn. Bonnie is the creator of Shift Your Gut Therapy Method, a professionally designed comprehensive program that is reflective of nearly a decade of clinical experience. The Shift Your Gut Therapy Method is a 12-week process that combines a personalized approach to understanding a patient's gut health with group support and education. In her clinical practice, she helps clients with chronic digestive issues like IBS and those with blood sugar imbalances by providing customized nutrition and lifestyle support to help them transform their health one meal at a time. Welcome, Bonnie. I'm so excited to have you on. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this chat. Yes, we are going to be diving into the gut-skin connection and and how gut health and digestive health can play such a huge role in our skin health. So if you are listening, I encourage you to kind of like grab a notebook if you can, perhaps you're driving or doing laundry, um, in which case you can just tune and listen in. <laughs> so Bonnie, what got you into holistic health? So that's always a fun question to answer. And not surprisingly, um, like many of us, what drew me to holistic health, which is really trying to sort of take an all-person approach to health, was obviously individual, like personal, my own um, experience in my life. So in my case, um, it was twofold. It was first of all the fact that um, I have an autoimmune disease called um, Crohn's, inflammatory bowel disease, a history of, um, and that from the start, Um, definitely uh, piqued my interest in terms of the connection, obviously, between diet and that set of circumstances. And it was actually from a personal experience, you know, over 30 years ago, it was an extremely frustrating um, process because I couldn't really get um, helpful information when it Mm. came to nutrition and um, flare ups or, you know, symptom management. The only thing at that time that I was told about was, you know, literally donate popcorn or nuts. Thanks. I'll be on my way now. You know, there was nothing sort of productive or positive. And so I didn't, I didn't eat popcorn or nuts for like 30 years. Anyways, whole other story, but that really was um, part of it. And then also um, in 2006, I actually received a cancer diagnosis. I had kidney cancer. And while I was very fortunate because it was resolved um, surgically um, and that was that, caught early, et cetera. 
Um, I, the first thing I did, literally, I believe I bought it at the hospital gift shop, was um, I bought a book called um, um, basically like about cancer and nutrition. And, you know, from there, uh, my journey just grew and grew. Okay. And what led you to focus more where you are now in women's health and gut health? So specifically the gut health thing was um, very organic because um, as you know, at school, we're sort of, you know, like anything else, you've got um, all the essentials and the basics. And then if you want to delve into things um, that are more specific, perhaps to your client needs or to your own interests, you have to do either additional courses or, you know, do your invest your own investigation. So for me personally, um, it was natural. I just started attracting a clientele um, that had inflammatory bowel disease and um, digestive and gut issues. Now, I don't know if most listeners know this, but from my point of view, um, looking at a holistic approach to something like an autoimmune disease, the easy connection is Crohn's or colitis because those are um, autoimmune conditions that specifically affect the gut and digestive process. But in actual fact, um, most autoimmunity is actually rooted in the gut, right? So, mm-hmm. and from there, it just flowed. Like, I mean, the more information I got, the more a- better able I was to um, help myself and people who were struggling. Yeah. And I know people within your practice can definitely feel that like warmth and energy that you bring because I feel that just from chatting with you. So your clients are very lucky to have you. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. What health habits and rituals in your practice have the biggest impact? So that's a really cool question because I deal with, because I'm a nutritionist, first of all, and because I deal with um, the majority of my clientele, um, come to me with digestive issues, predominantly, not even inflammatory bowel disease, predominantly, actually, mostly with irritable bowel syndrome um, mm. or related symptoms like chronic bloating, um, food intolerances or perceived food intolerances. The most surprising thing I think that people um, come to learn is that the most valuable tools when it comes to uh, that area of treatment, if you want to use that as a word or um, uh, education guidance, has to do not with food elimination per se, rather mm-hmm. with dietary enhancements, number one, mm-hmm. and number two, with day to day habits. So, uh, sorry, repeat the question. It was what, what um, type of habits are most helpful in my practice, right? Yep. Yeah. And which, which health habits do you see having maybe the biggest impact? So the way someone eats Mm. by that, I mean, you know, I'm referring to meal hygiene, but not just things that we talk to people about because, um, you know, there's such a strong connection between our nervous system and the way that our digestive system operates. Um, Certainly it would be things like you know, eating in a calm state as a habit or as a, as a an acquired habit or routine. But more than that, I work with so many women, and I'm sure you've come across this as well, who are meal skippers, right? They don't eat um, throughout the day and suddenly like gorge at night or even just have two large meals instead of three. So if you're dealing with a really overwhelmed 
um, system and a lack of function digestively, um, that's probably one of the worst things I think you could do in terms of habits. So it's not even before you talk about specifics on what you're eating. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So many, for some reason, especially women are skipping. I see it most skipping breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, and that can just be so problematic, especially for women, because we know that breakfast is so key for managing your blood sugar, yeah. which kind of rules the rest of the show hormone wise. Yeah, absolutely. So that that definitely is um, something that people learn right away or try, try and teach right away. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good tip. And like you said, it's not even really about changing what you're eating. It's kind of just how you're eating and can be so impactful. That's really helpful. And in your experience, how are the gut and skin connected? And why should we really care about the gut at all if we're concerned about the skin? Well, I mean, wow, that's such a complicated, like it's such an interesting topic and mm-hmm. there's so many things we can say about it, but the things I'll say is why we should care is because in case you haven't heard the latest news, everybody yeah. listening, the gut is literally, you know, the conductor in our body, right? It's connected to virtually everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I think Hippocrates, who was like the father of modern medicine, <laughs> you know, 4,000 years ago said all disease begins in the gut. And part of the reason for that, obviously, is because 70 to 80% of our immune system cells reside in the gut. Um, But as a gatekeeper, um, Mm. the gut-skin connection is one of of the things is it's rooted in a really delicate balance uh, within the gut microbiome, right? The collection Mm. of microorganisms residing in our digestive tract. And a healthy gut microbiome is crucial for overall optimal digestion, things like nutrient absorption, immune function, and of course it would affect um, our overall health and and the health of our skin as well, right? The reflective health of our skin. However, when the gut microbiome is imbalanced um, due to any number of factors, it could be poor diet, stress, it could be um, frequent or overuse, let's say in quotation marks of antibiotics, Mm Um, I think the crux of it is actually because of the inflammation that these mm-hmm. things cause and the test potential um, increase towards things like um, hyperpermeability. So, you know, our gut is obviously, our intestinal lining is supposed to be discriminant in terms of what it does or does not allow into our body or our bloodstream. But when you have an, an imbalance of all of these things happening, it could cause uh, that commonly referred to condition of leaky gut or hyperpermeable gut, which um, then causes an immune response. And of mm-hmm. course our skin is one of our body's favorite outlets, right? It's one of our favorite detoxifying organs. So I think that that's why it's such an important part the discussion when it comes to um, digestive health. Yeah, that's so well said. And that immune system piece is just can be so important, especially for women with acne, because that acne is already that like inflammatory immune response that's kind of like happening on the skin. So it's likely happening elsewhere as well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because not everyone. Um, you know, not everyone necessarily is, is impacted 
Mm. Right. But what's interesting about that um, to me is, first of all, the skin is just, you know, a horrid um, way to be impacted because it's so obvious and physical and, you know, affects our appearance for clearly, um, Mm. you know, all of us have sensitivity towards. But what's interesting to me is that for people who don't actually have, um, you know, a breakout or rashes or something obvious like that is that it actually exemplifies what if you have other digestive symptoms and you know things are off what could be happening internally as well right because there's literally no outlet if you've got um you know constipation or whatever yeah I do that's a really good point and I even say this often in my practice as well like try to you know as difficult as a skin condition can be and emotionally taxing and draining um you know skin conditions can be a great motivator and they can be a great teacher because they are so visible so um it can really like encourage you to kind of like look deeper um so in some ways you know can be thankful for for it even though it can be kind of like an aggravating symptom a very aggravating symptom (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's also interesting because like we just said, people who are getting the signal, right? A visible signal through, or, or doesn't, it's not even always visible. It could be some, somewhere that's covered up, but that's really uncomfortable, like really dry, irritated skin or whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, the reason again, that it connects to the gut is because it, it sort of denotes a lack of absorption, right? Because it Mm. could imply that your body isn't receiving or is deficient in vitamins that we know are supportive um, for, you know, vibrant skin health, let's say. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Are there certain things that become more important for the gut and skin as we age? That's a good question. I think that um, hmm. some people, I'm not necessarily better best verse to talk about this mm-hmm. but some people would turn to something like collagen right yeah as, as, like, as an, um, a very popular let's say totally um, connection mm-hmm. but in my opinion and again I'm not saying that's wrong I'm just not necessarily the best person to address it in mm-hmm. my opinion it's the same as any age um, mm. in the sense that Uh, I'll I'll tell you what the difference is with respect to age, but in the sense that, um, again, you know, optimal nutrients in intake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, making sure that your diet is varied, um, your detoxification pathways are supported by, let's say, from a food perspective, you know, including enough dietary fiber, even right on a Mm -hmm. daily basis, um, making sure that you have, let's say, right? or or even supplement with all vitamins can help with that. Um, but the way that I think it could be, um, you know, special consideration towards age is that I think we know that um, our body's capacity to digest actually diminishes as we age, same as any capacity, any, you know, body function will um, somewhat erode slowly as we age. And I don't mean that in a terribly negative way, but just like, you know, the same way people eventually develop osteoporosis, right? Mm. Or, or I mean, osteoarthritis, let's mm. say, right? Um, you know, 
our body's ability to secrete enzymes diminishes slightly as we age, all those things. So I think that, um, again, outside of the food piece, making sure to really um, optimally or optimize digestion through daily habits, like the things we've talked about, slowly, even in a calm state, managing our nervous system. Like it almost becomes more important because we know that mm -hmm. in terms of the age factor, we're going to lose some um, capacity in terms of absorption or uh, digestive capacity as we age, at which will affect our skin, right? In terms of uh, dryness, so staying hydrated probably mm -hmm. becomes that much more important as we age, particularly for women, mm -hmm. um, you know, who are in perimenopause or menopause um, stage of life because a, de um, a decrease in estrogen, I believe also has an impact on our body's capacity to uh, make use of hydration, right? So you kind of have mm -hmm. to, like, that's why you get like, you know, drier skin membranes, vaginal dryness, eyes, all the things, mm -hmm. a little more clinically, um, in feel. So again, hydration would be such an important um, tool to use as you important always but yeah again yeah. special attention right especially like you mentioned during that hormonal shift that can mm. really impact more women specifically during that time yeah, yeah do you see yes. yeah do you see a lot of women going through menopause in your practice yeah I would say the largest percentage of women who I work with are kind of in the peri and menopause age after that it's actually interestingly because you mentioned hormones after that I feel like it's women and, and again people come to me with you know IBS um, symptoms or IBS diagnoses right so it's like right. bloating is very common constipation and I was just going to say that the next biggest cohort let's call it um, is actually I've noticed women young women who are in like first year university for example so what happened what's so notable about that is that within the last two years, usually, if not more recent than that, they've started going on birth control, okay. right? which is altering their hormonal, um, their body's hormone function as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. So you're seeing more women coming to you once they've started birth control. That's what you're noticing. I feel like, yeah, on the younger end, it's that okay. age group. And yeah. then in the peri and menopause um, end, um, I don't know if you know the statistic, you probably know it, that it happens, but I mm -hmm. once read a statistic that suggested that, um, let's say, uh, you know, I think it's 10 to 13%, let's say, of the average North American population has digestive issues like IBS, right? Mm -hmm. When you drill that down to perimenopause and menopause age women, mm -hmm. that number has been estimated to climb to close to 38%. Or close wow. To yeah. So there's certainly um, some interactions there, particularly, I guess, um, because we know as estrogen, estrogen, estrogen dips, yeah. cortisol rises. And of course, mm -hmm. what does cortisol do but activate our nervous system, right? So um, I think that's an obvious connection Yeah. in terms yeah. of the impact it has on digestion and potentially, um, you know, how it's expressed via some skin components as well. Right. Yeah. Many women 
with inflammatory skin conditions like acne or rosacea, just to name a couple, also have digestive issues like we were talking about. The gut and skin is very connected. What are your top tips to improve and support digestion? I know we mentioned some like eating in a calm state and like eating mindfully. Um, any others that you would give to support digestion? Um, you know, people don't often think of uh, extraneous things like, you know, if, if someone comes to you with, um, and, and it happens often, unfortunately, right? Like people are literally at the point where they're reaching out for alternative help, which is what, like in quotation marks, right? So they've been down every conventional avenue. They've been tested up the Yazoo, God, and, you know, things aren't maybe, um, you know, serious vis-a-vis -vis like a disease state, but the function is really um, suboptimal. And um, what they don't, what people don't often consider are everyone comes, if you have IBS, you're thinking of food. People like jump through hoops and spend years trying to like, you know, on and off, try this food, that food, which one? They eliminate foods. They come to me literally with maybe five or seven foods that they feel they can eat well, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I know I'm sure to you as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, nobody is thinking about things like paying attention to sleep, mm. paying attention to daily movement, right? Like we're coming off of a period of time where suddenly people were sitting in their chair at their computer for almost three years in a row, <laughs> like not walking up and down stairs in a normal office, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, so not necessarily paying attention to our daily movement. I'm not talking about exercise, just like sitting with your organs stacked one on top of another. Yeah. Um, or, but sleep and movement, I would say are the two things that um, probably get the least attention when it comes to this and probably could be the most um, impactful when mm. it comes to this. Yeah. And I know inside your toolkit, everything but the food, this is probably a lot of what you focus on because if you're not focusing on the food, where where can we focus on? Yeah. Is there it's anything exact, else? Yeah. Exactly those things. So it is, um, you know, paying attention to sleep. And again, this is all individualized, right? Yeah. Someone's sleeping really well. Obviously, you're not going to spend your effort there. But often that's not the case. In mm -hmm. fact, right, with people with digestive issues often have sleep issues as well. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of correlations. Um, daily movement, um, stress management pieces. So something I would say, and I've said this, I just got off the client call and this is the last thing that we talked about, one of the, it's free and it is easy to do anywhere. I can do it right now, sitting, talking to you and you wouldn't even necessarily know it almost is, you know, our, our nervous system is so important to our gut mm -hmm. function, as you know, and we don't take care of our nervous system well enough for the most part in North America. And so our, our nervous system gets its messaging from our breathing patterns, right? That's exactly what um, will dictate whether your nervous system will go into sympathetic mode where your digestion is literally down-regulated and almost not functioning in some cases versus our parasympathetic mode. So one of the non-food, everything but the food strategies is to literally do things like either taking several deep breaths, several deep breaths, mm -hmm. real belly deep breaths before sitting down to eat a meal Mm -hmm. Or um, 
trying to make a practice, and this actually sounds easy and is very difficult. I even have a note on my own desk reminding me to do this, but like taking a few minutes, a few times a day to actually do or adopt um, a deep breathing practice. It could be related to meditation, but it doesn't have to be. Just Mm -hmm. in the simplicity of your breathing patterns, changing how your system is gonna respond and therefore digest could be important. So those are a few. There's other ones like, um, you know, because of how it might affect your sleep, um, you know, exposing yourself to daylight early in the Mm -hmm. day um, can be really helpful. Or um, a lot of people don't realize that how you start your morning in general, right? Yeah. Whether you spend time on the toilet, whether you rush to, you know, listen, this happens a lot with women with small children, you know, your alarm may or may not go off because you're probably being woken up by a child or something, your feet hit the ground. And like, you don't even have time necessarily to sit on the toilet for long enough to have a bowel movement. And then later in the day, you miss a window, right? Or like the same way that skipping meals isn't good for digestion, skipping an opportunity to go to the bathroom, like people are uncomfortable doing that in public spaces, for example, and that could be detrimental. So those are all kind of what I call in quotation marks, everything but the food um, strategies, just by example. You bring up such a good point about, you know, missing your window. I feel like even like, I think women talk about it all the time. I don't know if men talk about it, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, and feeling comfortable going to the bathroom in public and, you know, finding somewhere that you feel comfortable. And it can be, you know, once you miss one day, it just kind of like accumulates, which can be so annoying. So many clients I see, and I bet you've come across this as well, um, who have, let's say, a lifetime of chronic constipation. Um, I always ask, you know, what were you like as a kid? Like, do you remember if you you know, we're uncomfortable going to the bathroom in elementary school, let's say. And I would say close to nine times out of 10, probably the answer is no, I would never go to a public bathroom. And I actually think that that's not always, but a big part of where that starts because our body just wants to do what it needs to do, right? And we can untrain it from doing the right thing as well. I would say that's a really interesting thing way to think about it. I've never thought about it that way, but I definitely would agree with that personally too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in your practice, where do you see, you know, as people are beginning to address, let's say their gut health and working on some supportive strategies for digestion, when do people usually see an improvement or what can people be looking for to know that they're on the right track? I love that question. Um, Interestingly, it's not always a very rapid change in, let's say, a bowel movement schedule if you're constipated. That would be ideal. Uh, Bloated, for example, is one of the last things I find um, Mm. that gets resolved, right? So like the actual sense of feeling bloated. Um, But typically, to answer your question very succinctly, usually somewhere in the neighborhood of about three months, right? I mean, I've worked with people who have um, literally uh, been on a journey for a year before they really start. But sometimes that's because you also have to be ready and receptive to certain changes, right? I worked with a woman for almost, I don't know, probably six months. And we didn't get very far, even though she was really trying, she was having a difficult time um, adopting a lot of the um, recommendations 
Um, she was so, so consumed with the food piece. She wasn't even really accepting a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. We took a pause and she returned almost a year later and was ready to consider something, for example, like gut directed hypnotherapy. And that's just, this is a recent client and it has made literally like a black and white difference in her life. Right. So you have to be ready. So, but, but in the, in the typical sense, I would say in my experience, in my practice, about um, 80% of my clients do see resolution at around the three to four month mark of symptoms. Mm -hmm. And to answer your other, the other part of your question things that you start to see could be different for everybody. But what I find fascinating, Carolyn, because you have people coming to you uh, as clients who are specifically concerned about their skin, skin issues, right? And then you address the gut piece from that angle, right? Mm -hmm. In my case, it's very often different than that. I have people coming to me with the digestive symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. And I've had so many people not even jot down, for example, something like in their intake, something like rosacea, and then like a few weeks or a month or two months, whatever it is into, let's say the group program, this happened a few times with a few group participants where all of a sudden somebody would pipe up, oh, you know, what's new? What have you noticed? You know, and all of a sudden somebody will pipe up, oh, my rosacea I noticed has been like non-active, it's gone away or whatever, right? And so, and I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you had rosacea, right? Because they don't even... So that's really cool. But the way that we try and monitor these things, because it's not always somebody's primary symptoms mm-hmm. that result first is um, I use like every four weeks, we have a symptoms checklist. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'll tell them right from the start, it's to give us some encouragement because we might see your energy increasing first, right? Or whatever, your sleep improving first. And then eventually it rolls into hopefully um, the resolution they're looking for. I think that is such a beautiful like bonus of going the holistic route. Yeah. Anything is you get this like full body experience because you're really bringing things back into balance and improve is just I always say like such a good sign that your body is feeling safe and it's really finding its way um because the body ultimately wants to heal so it's just a really encouraging bonus of doing a holistic approach i agree with you and interestingly you just made me think of that the two things that seem to make people the happiest that in my world are often the least expected are actually skin improvement and sleep sleep Mm -hmm. improvement yeah so like things that really affect people's lifestyle that they don't realize could be resolved by seeing a nutritionist or a, you know, a health, a, a holistic health coach. Yeah. Sleep can be, it is life-changing if you're prioritizing quality sleep and obviously for your whole life. And then, you know, as much as we want to say like skin can feel like more like, I want to say like vain or materialistic, it's still like something that really presents you to the whole world. So it's like a huge part of your identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. In your experience, because I know you've had your practice, how long have you had your practice for, Bonnie? I am in nine, yeah, nine years. Okay. I feel like that makes you especially stand out in the holistic health space. I feel like that's a huge accomplishment. Nine years? 
Thank you. I, you know, it went fast and uh, I actually feel like it's kind of cool too. Um, because as you know, it's not, I mean, this is apart from the subject, but it's not necessarily so easy to build a viable practice. Hmm. Um, you're doing it, I'm doing it. Uh, but it, it is a bit of a sense of accomplishment and it's amazing <clears throat> because it allows us to share our knowledge and to, you know, create um, a, a work environment, like a work opportunity for ourselves, but at the same time, really help people. That's what we do day to day, right? So how many yeah. people get to say that, which is amazing. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And over the last nine years, crazy, um, over the last nine years, how has your focus maybe like changed maybe back and forth or your um, from focusing on like nutrition, I feel like when we first get out of nutrition school, we're so focused on the food. Clearly now, y- it sounds like you're more like even more holistic. One of your programs, your toolkit is called Everything But the Food. So maybe how have this, how has it teetered back and forth and where do you land now? That's such a cool question. I've never really been asked that or have thought about it greatly, but you're right. <clears throat> it has changed and I agree with you. When we come out of school, we are so focused on the foods right down to like micronutrient style approach. Um, And also, I think without, um, you know, as you gain experience, you actually come to, even though we intend for everything to be individualized and we recognize sort of the uh, biochemical uniqueness of all of us, um, in a sense, the back and forth piece goes between trying to be really um, unique in terms of how you address people's specific needs. But then at the same time, and this is, I think, the biggest difference for me now that I've been doing it for as long as I have, I think I've acquired enough experience with people, like with actual client Mm. um, outcomes to say that individual, you have to individualize everything, but at the same time, you can actually come to a point where you have um, a process or an approach that can be generalized for everybody that should yeah. be workable for a lot of people, which I think is awesome because that just speaks to levels of expertise in what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely started out only referring to myself as a registered holistic nutritionist or, you know, nutritional consultant, whatever we're called these days. Yeah. And um, now I call myself a nutritionist and a digestive health specialist. Yeah probably helps you know I think maybe more approachable less intimidating I feel like food whether we like it or not is such a personal choice people get so heated and passionate about what they're eating um and how they're eating and why they're not eating certain things so to know that like nutrition obviously is important but there's so many other pieces that come into our health and wellness Yeah. And what's interesting is sometimes you can, I'll say this to clients sometimes, right? Newer clients, I'll be like, I understand that you came to me expecting to talk only about food, right? Depending where the referral came from. I get that. However, like they're almost, uh, I've never met somebody who's disappointed in the fact that we go beyond that because nobody else is talking to them about their whole self, right? And so I feel like it's such a welcome almost a relief for them to be able to discuss it in this way. And, and the other thing is that because we do that in our approach, 
um, there is a bit of uh, a, a lack, like the defenses come down a little bit with respect yeah. to the food piece, right? Because you're right. People are extremely attached um, to their beliefs around, you know, foods that are work for them and don't, let's say. Yeah. I think even going back to your example of that client that you were working with like six months ago, um, it kind of, like you said, like you have to be ready. You have to be open and food can be such a like kind of like almost low hanging fruit, like tangible thing to focus on and to, I find a lot of people in their health journeys can be hyper-focused on it, myself included. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you try it for a year, you kind of plateau and then you're like, okay, what else is out there? And you open your, you open up to maybe other things. And like you said, you had that one client um, who went and she did hypnotherapy for her gut health. Yeah. She's currently doing, well, she finished one round and she's in a maintenance phase. And this is like, um, really speaks to what I call kind of a layered approach in my Mm. practice. So, and I'm sure you approach things this way too, right? Where it's, and again, when it comes to the gut in particular, I've actually never seen somebody resolve their issue only doing one thing, right? Mm -hmm. Even on the food front, as you mentioned, it's like people certainly have their preferences and there's almost a fear about what we're going to ask them to do. So, and, and you know, you can Google, somebody can Google almost anything we would tell someone to try removing, right? But what people don't focus on healing, if you look at food, and I don't want to overstate it because there's a lot of, like I said, layers to healing, but just looking at the food piece, if you look at food or food as medicine, as medicinal, Mm -hmm. right? Is it really taking away food that's medicinal? Maybe temporarily, but what's really medicinal about food is specifically as it relates to gut health is the enhancement, like making Mm -hmm. sure that your diet is full of gut nourishing things like fiber or even variety um so that's a much more fun conversation to have with clients than you have to say oh this and this and this you know like all the foods that we sometimes end up you know having conversations around yeah honestly I just took a big sigh of relief and almost a deep breath when you said you've almost never seen results from just doing one thing if anything that's like you know, makes me feel so much better. And I'm sure people listening because it's like, okay, you see so much online these days about doing one thing that completely changed their symptoms. And that's not really the case. It doesn't seem to be. No, like I'm open-minded. I would love to talk to people who have had that experience. Yeah, totally. I swear, but I honestly, I don't think it's not even like many. I don't think I've ever worked with someone. Actually, that's not true. I really don't have not had an experience for a lot of people. It's been like a silver bullet kind of answer. You know, that doesn't mean it's been unnecessarily complicated necessarily. In fact, it's often simpler than people think. One time that, um, this is actually a funny story. I had a client a couple of years ago who was going through a very difficult time in her personal life. Mm -hmm. And so she was doing her best to try and sort of employ some of the suggestions I was making, et cetera. And then, and she's had IBS for like almost her whole life. She was in her forties, I think. And eventually I just resorted to asking her to try a digestive enzyme supplement. And that was her silver bullet. And it was a relief for her because 
she couldn't really maintain it was her life was too hectic at that point mm. in time. I think she was going through a divorce or something. And she was like, Oh my God, you're Jesus. Like this has been it for me. It really helped. But that was the only time. Um, and I wouldn't say that that is the case for everyone. You know, don't listeners don't think like if you go to, you know, buy a digestive enzyme, that that's going to be your answer necessarily. But that's funny that that's the only time. That yeah. Yeah. Um, it's sometimes just finding like a, that little bit of relief that can really like take the pressure off sometimes for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just have really one more question for you. Um, what is something that you might tell your, your younger self? Uh-huh. Oh boy. So I think that as I've grown, I have learned or continue just to keep learning. Um, that things take time in general, things take time, right? Um, and that, and also that things change. And so, you know, to become consumed too much with one way of doing things or, um, you know, the fact that things are a certain way for, for right now, it doesn't mean that three, year, three months from now or a year from now, things are going to look exactly the same. Without a doubt, the one thing we can count on is change. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. And Bonnie, where can people find and connect with you, connect with your courses and programs that you offer? I think the easiest place to find me and find um, like information on how to connect with me is through Instagram. So my company, it's my Instagram handle is shift nutrition and wellness. But I also invite anybody who's listening who is struggling um, with, you know, bloating, constipation, IBS, pain, gas, those types of common symptoms um, to join my free Facebook community. It's called Shift Into Healthy Habits for Digestive Health. It's quite a mouthful. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's nice about that community is that I do share an awful lot of free resources there and even if you're just starting the journey, just to familiarize yourself and know that hopefully you are getting reliable information. That's a nice place to start. Amazing. I'm going to link your Instagram and I'll link the Facebook community as well. That's so supportive. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks, Bonnie. It's been so amazing chatting with you today. And thank you for all of your wisdom and support that you shared. Thanks. I love the podcast, Caroline. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about clearing acne holistically, then head on over to carolynhale.com. And if you really enjoyed the episode, I'd love for you to share it with a friend or leave a rating and review. As an acne nutritionist, creating space for you to feel seen and understood on this wild skin journey is my passion. If there is one thing I know from supporting clients worldwide, is that you are not alone in your skin struggles. Tune in each week and together we will explore not only how to clear acne, but completely transform the way you think and feel about your skin. It's the perfect time for you to clear acne, reclaim self-love, and thrive. Until next time, I am wishing you glowing skin from within.